All right, welcome to Debatable. I'm Dominique Fox. That's David Dennis Jr. Um, it's a great show for you. We got some good stuff. Just hang around to the end. My favorite part. <laughs> There's nothing to see here. This, this is actually one of the one of the one of the shows you can skip. Actually, this is one of those shows you can just mosey don't, on past, don't scroll past. Skip it. Don't skip I'm it. Sure, there's other podcasts you can listen to. This American Life had a really good episode. I'm sure today they still that's oh, yeah. still around, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't don't listen to the podcast. Watch the YouTube, guys. Watch <laughs> the YouTube. There's please. so much other cool stuff to do on YouTube besides this. There's, oh, uh, man. The Alabaster, there's muck, there's don't, don't let... <laughs> we can watch a mukbang, uh, <laughs> battle rap, uh, UFC uh, knockouts, uh, uh, family feud answers, whatever you ask want. Ask the question so we can get through it, so we can get to the end of the show where the real fun happens. Alabaster, what you got? Okay, after watching the Nuggets handily take care of the Phoenix Suns, does it feel like the Suns have run out of steam? Man, the Suns must have been in the gym late last night like it was leg day because they didn't have anything left. (laughs) They were struggling to score buckets. They got a bunch of fouls. This game was over quick, which, like, as bad as the Suns look and as good as the Nuggets look – I could argue that this was a good thing for the Suns because depth is their problem and having a competitive, long, intense game is not something that uh, that they could sustain for another game and then still show up next week. This is the best spin I can have because they looked terrible and tired and the Nuggets look the opposite. Everybody, it felt like for the Nuggets, was hitting shots and this game seemed like it was over at the end of the first quarter. And the Suns put up some fight to make it close, but at no point did anybody think they were threatening the Nuggets. Yeah, I think that the Nuggets uh, looked like a almost like David Dennis Jr. out there looking <laughs> brolic uh, out there on the court. Uh, I, they were just ripping and running. I mean, they this was uh, this is sort of reg- a regression back to the mean. I think right. for the the Suns. I mean, the the Nuggets decided, hey, we're gonna double Booker and KD as much as possible. And the other guys are going to have to make threes. And they right. didn't. The uh, You know, the Suns, I think, were one for 15 open threes in the first couple games. And they look like that squad. And, I mean, that's just what the Nuggets are going to have to do. They're just going to have to commit to we're going to do what we can with Booker and KD. And they're going to make impossible shots. But what bothered, what was the problem in Phoenix was that the, the bench kept scoring and the other players kept scoring. And the Shamit fourth quarter happened. And those things can't happen. You can go out there and say, "Hey, Booker and KD, y'all give us y'all score 100 points, and nobody else is going to score." Meanwhile, we're going to run up and down the court. We're going to do the Murray Jokic pick and roll, and you are not going to do anything to stop it. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, the Nuggets are just better, and it wasn't just in the Murray Jokic pick and roll that was a problem. Jokic was also posting up, which was a problem. But the big problem was. The other guys was hitting them threes. Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr., uh, Aaron Gordon was playing great defense and hitting threes. Uh, the it, it's the problem for this series for uh, the the Suns. So like they match up fine with the big two, the big two on both sides. Like I think the the Nuggets and the Suns feel comfortable with that. But once you get past that, it had me watching this game longing for Chris Paul to come back and give them a little something. Which I don't. I know he's not going to give him defense or explosiveness, mm. but like some reliable scoring 
just felt like something they need, someone who can create something in the half court. Because when they were doubling both Booker and Durant, the offense just kind of ground to a halt. And somebody like Chris Paul maybe might be able to figure out a way to get them a few extra quality possessions because it didn't feel like they had any in this game. Yeah, and, and on the other side, the Nuggets just don't look uncomfortable. They've never yeah. really looked uncomfortable offensively. There was that drought that drought in the second quarter uh, where they just couldn't hit a shot. But it wasn't just that they were just – the Suns were doing anything defensively. For the most part, the Nuggets are getting exactly where they want on the court, running the exact action actions that they want without sort of any um, – you know, deriving from that. Of course, Jokic can do whatever when he's at the top of the key – they just look like they're doing whatever they want and they're just daring the Suns to have these once in a lifetime performances. And if they, if Booker and KD do that game six or seven, then you just say, Hey, you did it. But the, the Nuggets just booking on that not happening. One thing about this game that was like somewhat entertaining was the beef. There was beef. Like early in the game, we had uh, Murray get upset at, uh, as Shamit yelling his face after scoring the bucket, there was a little altercation. But then later in the game, the game was out of reach, but uh, the Nuggets decided to interrupt the the Suns' huddle in the middle of, uh, uh, I guess it was free throw situation. They kind of barged into their huddle, and then everybody is kind of upset. Jokic did a flop. It was the exact same thing that he did to Ishbia, mm-hmm. and he responded the same way. So Durant gave Jokic a little forearm the same forearm that Jokic gave to the owner of the Suns whom he made up with uh before the game and Jokic just flopped it was just kind of a mess and it was the most interesting thing that happened I think in that game last night this we're on the precipice of of something unique here we're on the precipice of the most light-skinned NBA playoff series of all time like this like things got so light-skinned right there in that like it, it was just impossibly like like there was a lot of was talking trash to sham it and they were like you know doing their thing and they were you know slap boxing each other up and down the court and then you had uh you know devin booker oh, and he gosh. was over there uh, with uh like there's like with uh you know with porter jr uh-uh. and aaron gordon and they were being Goodness extremely gracious. light-skinned like we were at like we're, this is like the most light-skinned uh and, and, and heaven forbid the nuggets play the Warriors next round and then we got like the Clay, Steph, Poole and like oh, this gosh. just becomes like it you was know, just Ralph present in a basketball jersey all over the place just just all yeah just a bunch of like uh you know I didn't finish doing my creative player on 2K just running <laughs> up and down the court uh just fighting with each other it's almost now like that... you remember you remember when uh you remember when Drake and Chris Brown had that fight and, and like, and Chris Brown was like, "Here's my cut." And and Tony Parker was there for some reason. He was in the midst of it. And then like, I don't know, like DeBars was in the back doing his thing, and Albi Shore was in the cut. It was just like light skin. It was like light skinned Avengers was happening in that one night in the fight. And we're in like in the middle of that with this series. It's just so light skinned, and it's rubbing off on on like Jokic and Brown and oh, all those gosh. folks just being just being light skinned for no reason. Now that I got my hair cut, I feel like with your goatee and the short hair. You kind of got a photo negative thing happening there between me and you that might confuse some people. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's what's that's what's going on. It's a uh, you know, um, I, like if uh, if if the Nuggets and Warriors play, you might have to send a notice out for people to adjust their TV, the color of their TV, because it might right. it might get hard. Do you think the Suns are going to force a game seven? 
I guess based on this game, it's hard to imagine, but this is a lot. What it, this is what it looked like the first two games. Then they went back home mm. and managed to get a couple wins. So, like, I'm hoping they can force a game seven because game sevens are fun. I'm fine with uh, giving up some sleep to see Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in a game seven situation, but it kind of feels like that's wishful thinking at this point. It does feel like wishful thinking, but I'm also wish, wishing four too. Like I, I feel like game three and four was the best Phoenix had. Like that was their the like I can't imagine Booker or Durant playing better than that and the shots that they were making. That felt like the best they had, and and I think game six would have to really come down to Denver getting their foot taking their foot off the gas, um, making mistakes, and not being as focused defensively, and not and the role players not traveling well to Phoenix. I think that would be that would be the only way we get a game seven. I'm hoping for one because at at the same time, like Kevin Durant has been Kevin Durant, but like we haven't had. Yeah. the definitive defining Kevin Durant, this is my series type of game yet. And when are we going to get it, man? Like, when are we going to like, – We're not. Is- it's not his series. It's the thing. It's, well, it's Jokic versus Booker, if anything. It's not Kevin Durant's series. As much as I'm a Kevin Durant fan and defender and would like him to be respected like the great player that he is, he ain't being that guy in this series, which is fine. Like uh, – it's Devin Booker, and is it gonna... fine? Is it is it fine? Because like at at some point, go win, like go win. I'm not sure what more yourself. you want from him. He got he got thirty six in the game they won. Like he's productive. It just doesn't feel like it, it doesn't seem reasonable that we can expect him to to put this team on his back and go for forty five and force a win when they don't deserve it. Nah, I guess that's what's going to happen. Yeah, why not? Like what at what at what point are we going to get? When this series started, did you think we would go this far without having a game where we say Kevin Durant's the best player on the court? Um, and then no point no. if we said he's the best player on the court. We and haven't because th- we have That's got to happen at some point. Yeah. But that- I guess we we give other people some age consideration. We should give Kevin Durant the same age can age and injury consideration. But while I say that, I'm thinking of my man Robert De Niro who said, you ain't never too old to shoot your shot. That man making buckets at 70. You didn't read that story, obviously. Yeah, he's 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 Look it up. making more than buckets, buddy. He's <laughs> he <laughs> he's needs to making, stop making babies. <laughs> he needs to stop making babies. Stop. All right. Well, appreciate it. We're gonna do a little time travel for you guys. Thanks, David Dennis. Now you can you can turn off your turn off your computers. Uh, nothing no, to see here. No, see stay. you guys later. <laughs> see hey, you guys I another promise. time. It's nothing worth more. It. It's worth it. We already promoted it on the internet, so they probably already seen it, but see it live. There's more. Let's talk 76ers Celtics. After another listless Celtics performance, would you rather praise the resurgent, resilient 76ers or crush the Celtics? I feel like crush the Celtics is the obvious answer. For this game, because I, I that's what you do when you're wrong. You blame the people for not making you right. And I don't know what the Celtics have been eating. You know, that little Celtics logo has a pipe. I don't know what they've been smoking or they've been packing in that Celtic pipe, but it makes them lethargic. It makes them come out slow and they get behind early and then they can't do anything about it. And then their offense just seems so like stagnant. It, it only looks good when Tatum's attacking the basket. They try this five-out thing with um, Horford, who forgot how to shoot, and that makes that 
completely worthless. They just don't seem to have – they need to do isos with Jalen Brown, who's still, like, I guess his ball handling has gotten better, but his ball handling is still not at the point where you want him in iso situation. They just seem so uncomfortable on offense, and they're not even good on defense, which is where we thought that, like, that's their, their whole thing, the foundation of their team. They have two-way wings. They have a big rim protector. They have Al Horford who can play on the perimeter and the inside, and they're supposed to be able to defend anybody, and they can't. They just keep giving Joel Embiid open shots at the top of the key that he's going to knock down a high percentage of. So, yeah, bash the Celtics time as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, let's make fun of the Celtics, and and let's just make fun of the city of Boston in general who had to watch the Bruins uh, lose uh, and then now could possibly watch the Celtics team. I mean, they were booing these guys in the third yeah. quarter. They were booing them, which, by the way, you can't boo the team and then do a defense chant in the fourth quarter. You already booed them. There's no more <laughs> chanting after that. Just just no more. You can't just, like, get excited when they start coming back. You booed them. Just I know we – I know we like uh, kind of laugh at the idea of certain cities having real fans and other cities having fake fans, but they're no realer fans than Celtics fans. I don't care what anybody says. Like, there's no fan base that seems more committed than the Celtics fans. And I disagree with you. If you can boo your team, give them a defense chant, cheer them, and boo them again in the <laughs> same damn quarter, that to me seems like adjustments. They must have a like a head coach of the fan base where they're like, all right, whatever we've been doing ain't been working. We're going to boo. That ain't working well, either. Let's try defense chant. That ain't working either. Let's cheer for him again. And none of it works. And they're like Joe Missoula if he actually made some adjustments because he doesn't make adjustments for them not to work. His big adjustment was like, how about we give Peyton Pritchett some minutes? That was a big switch up. And so correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not some super basketball savant who didn't see all the minor adjustments that he was making. But – I didn't see him. They just put the guy in. It's like what you do in college. You put the walk-on in that everybody loves. You think that's going to spice things up. He didn't have anything else. Meanwhile, Doc Rivers is like, let's throw Daniel House in there and give him 11 minutes and give – or, you know, yeah. 10 points in 11 minutes or whatever he had in that game, and he made a difference. Like, Doc Rivers is coaching circles around Missoula, which, you know, we bash Doc all the time for the 3-1 thing, but he is – making the adjustments, and he is also sticking to what works. Like, sometimes it's just as simple as that, and the Celtics have no answer for the Harden and Bede pick and roll right off the left side of the court. They got nothing for it. Like, Al Horford gave Joel Embiid hell towards the end of game four, but Embiid pretty much played him off the court uh, this game. And offensively, you're right. I mean, the offense just looks a mess for the Celtics. And, I mean, this feels like, as much as it's on the court, this just feels like a team that this they do one of two things, it seems. They either make all their threes and they win a game because they just get hot, or they have a game like tonight where they stink up the joint and they look bad. I mean, this goes back to last year's finals. Like, we all remember, uh, obviously, game four and Steph going crazy and willing that team to win. But there was also game six where they were down – what, 25 points because they look just like they look tonight at home. And these playoff games just keep happening where they just do not – they feel like they don't have an answer. They feel like they're giving up. They feel like they're falling apart halfway through the game. I have to be fair to the Celtics, and Alabaster, I'll get get to you in a second. I'm, like, unreasonably angry at them, like I'm a fan of that team, just because it seems so obvious that I've gotten so many predictions wrong these playoffs. The one that I knew was going to be right is the Celtics – 
We're going to get back to at least the conference finals. They're going to beat a limping Embiid, who obviously looks broken, but still has enough in him to have like five or six blocks and and be dominant. And what I don't understand is, okay, there's and to defend Joe Missoula, like there's something to be said for. All right. We do what we do. We're not going to like flip out after every possession. But that pick and roll, there was like four possessions in a row where Embiid is getting a wide open shot at the top of the key that's well within his range. All right, maybe you want to do that rather than have him back you into the post. Okay, possibly, but Embiid has a bad knee. The one thing I think that you would like him to do is put the ball on the ground, make him do something. Don't let him be a catch and shoot player. And like, I'm not arguing that they should like throw their whole defense out the window and try something completely new, but like a minor tweak, like the guy who's limping, the limping seven footer who shoots well from the free throw area. How about we don't let him shoot from there every time? How about, I don't know, we trap Harden uh, coming out so he can't make these pocket passes. I don't know. Do something different. Rotate. Force P.J. Tucker to hit a bunch of threes from the corner. It just felt like they just didn't have any answer. And they just kept doing the same thing. They were calling timeouts. They weren't doing anything to address it. All right, Alabaster, now you can go. Why are we infantilizing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Like, we keep blaming Joe Maz, yeah. but, like, I can't think of any other, you know, That's proclaimed fair. top 10 player in the evolutionary Kawhi and Paul George. And we're just blaming the coach. These guys are, have been so soft this series. Like, shouldn't we be crushing these guys in particular for not elevating their team to the throne we think they deserve based on their talent? All right, I want to go back to the pick and roll one second before we before we do that and defend Missoula a little bit also because like the pick the Harden and B pick and roll is the most effective single offensive play uh, that is that anybody could do right now. I mean that they're, they're they're it's indefensible, but I agree with you. You could do some things to switch it up and to the point of Embiid's knee and his stamina. You can also make him drive because he was gassed at the end of that game and he seems like really fresh right now. Uh, but yeah, to Tatum and, and and Brown, I mean, you win this series if James Harden is not one of the top three players in the season in the series, and yeah, James Harden is a top three player in this series, and Maxi might be a top four player. You like he may be, <laughs> you know, a, a a couple Sixers before you get to the second Celtics player, and Tatum has been inconsistent, was not you know was not scoring at all uh, for two games, like they just don't. You know, their time. This the, is one of those games uh, where you look at them and say, maybe they don't work well together. <laughs> you know, like that's. And that's, I mean, one of those yeah. games, one of those series. But yeah. Yeah, being critical of Tatum and uh, Brown is fair. You can be critical of Tatum and Brown. But I guess what I saw is them in bad positions a lot, where it's like you put Tatum uh, in the ISO at the top of the key. Sometimes he steps back and shoots it, and sometimes he attacks the rim. When he attacks the rim, it works out well. And then they do like a dribble handoff or an ISO on the on the left wing with Jalen Brown when like I remember a carbon copy of that play being turnovers in the playoffs last year like we all pointed to how Jalen Brown does not handle the ball well and it to me like that seems like bad decisions how about you design something that gets Tatum the ball closer into the basket or Brown the ball closer into the basket the one person who it feels like they live and die by is like Marcus Smart and is which is sad when it seems like your game plan is relying on Marcus Smart bailing you out of situations. Eventually they got tired of it and pulled him 
that's not a good game plan. It doesn't seem like there's like new wrinkles the way that we see in some other series where they're like, all right, we have these athletic uh, freaks on the wing. Let's do some things with them. Let's try something other than like a five out uh, or this ISO stuff. And so, again, it's possible that I'm missing it and I'm just emotional because they're making me look stupid. But I just don't see a ton of creativity. And maybe that's on Brown or Tatum to be like, hey, I got an idea. Let's do this but they just aren't giving them a chance the same way that we see in some of these other series. Yeah, and it, what's strange is that, uh, you know, a few years ago, Tatum was the rookie. They were playing the same Embiid, you know, Celtics, I mean, uh, 76 or squad, and Tatum was just like, I want to show everybody I'm as good as this guy, and we're going to beat them. And they did, and now you're watching them out there on the court, and it's like Embiid has asserted himself, even missing – you know, a game and basically playing half speed and the second game. And it's just like, no, remember, I'm the MVP. I'm better than all of you guys. And Tatum and Brown seem to have not be one to meet that challenge. And just like all those schemes and stuff you talked about. Yeah, they look bad. The spacing looks bad. Uh, there's so many possessions that end up in Marcus Smart's hand at the end for no apparent reason whatsoever. But still, Go out there and score forty, man. Just go out there and score forty, and say, "Look, I'm going to meet you. Uh, you know, I'm going to meet you at the at the top level of this sport. Uh, you know, I don't care if you're MVP. I was in the MVP conversation at the first half of the season too. I just wish that they would get Tatum the ball in places that Kevin Durant gets the ball. Like that was the comparison that was being made last year. It was like, oh yeah, he's on that Kevin Durant trajectory. He's uh, he he ain't stopped growing where he thought he stopped growing. He's really big and really athletic and a great shooter. Like, it feels to me we rarely see Kevin Durant just catch the ball at the top of the key. Like, they get it to him in the post. He may turn and front it and then work his way to that mid-range jumper. But, like, that seems like a better place for him to work where he can use the advantages that he has. And maybe we get fewer Tatum threes, but that's fine to me. All right, producer, what you got? We actually saw Kevin Durant uh, last year get swept by the Celtics because he couldn't get the ball where he wanted because Jason Tatum was guarding him. Right. So they they should understand the the most uncomfortable places to be. I I mean it just seems like well maybe that's the type of defense that they need to play. Maybe that's the the real story of this series which maybe it goes against what we've seen them do in the past but this team is built to defend like a modern NBA team that has uh that is dominated by their wing and they don't know what to do when you have a dominant big big man who can shoot. Yeah, so you're you're talking about the the position on the court. I'm thinking about the actual people, the personnel that are lined up against you know Jason Tatum on the court. Like on one side, you have Al Horford, who is constantly on an island guarding James Harden by himself. And again, we saw him fail at doing this in the finals last year. And this matchup continues to happen. This mismatch continues to happen. Why is why haven't we seen Tatum search out James Harden more? Why isn't Maxi trying to guard him? More or like, why aren't they making more positions where there are more picks, more screens, where you have these mismatches? Maxi and Harden are traditionally are the like one of the worst defensive backcourts in the league, and you cannot have and you don't have any any possessions where Tatum and Brown that's are matched where, up one on one of these guys, where, and you can't score. That's where I am willing to find fault in Tatum is that it seems different. It seems obvious to me. Maybe he's tired because he feels like he has to do a lot, but he doesn't attack the rim. No one really stays in front of him. You notice the possessions that go really well is either when he hits his kind of step back bailout three or when he attacks the rim. When Brown tries to attack the rim, it's not as consistent because he can't 
like dribble the ball nearly as effectively as Tatum. But when he attacks the rim, that is when the defense breaks down and he normally finishes, but that's when the defense breaks down. He can kick it out to an open shooter, but you're going to need that open shooter to hit the shots, which Al Horford was like 0 for 47 in the first half. So that is also part of the problem. So there's criticism for everybody, but I think Joe Missoula is not going to have his sassy attitude in the post-game <laughs> press conference this time. Talking about oh, adjustments? You want to talk about adjustments? I mean, part one of the things is that they just, they just didn't play hard. <laughs> they just looked like it was a foregone conclusion they were going to win this game at home. And the 76ers played harder. They just looked like a team that wanted to win more. Like, and sometimes that's just a big part of it. They were I mean, they were attacking the baskets that were just about like intensity towards the end of that game. Yeah, right? that la- that block towards the end that scared the hell out of me because he hit the um, you know, <laughs> he hit his back and he looked like he, he got split in half there when he blocked Jalen Brown's shot. I mean, but that was all intensity. That was a turnover running down the court and you know blocked the shot out of bounds. Like that's yeah. that. Like, and but the seventy six did that too. That I thought was really just about energy and intensity. Where he was away from the basket, he rotated back and got to it and just blocked it. And it's like for the rest of the possessions, he looks like at any moment he's gonna pass out. But right. that he has these bursts every now and then. It's like, oh yeah, he's really special. And, and we say all this, and the Celtics are going to make twenty five threes in Game Six, and we're going back yeah, to Game yeah, Seven. Yeah, we're going to feel down. <laughs> well. I have one final question before we move on, and that is about the future of the Celtics. Can you Uh-oh. bring this team back? Seriously, we've ban- we've bantered about a Jalen Brown trade for years. He was offended by the concept of being included in a Kevin Durant thing. But you have legitimate concerns about this core that has been on the precipice of greatness for six years. It's not like, yes, they are young. They are also guys in the prime of their career. And the path has never been more wide open than it is now. Yeah, I mean, in isolation, that question is impossible for me to answer. Like, no, you don't just blow it up for blow it up's sake. Like, they are a year away from being in the finals and being in position to win the championship. They are, what, they were number two seed this year and in a position where they can play well. I do think it's going to be hard to justify uh, bringing Joe Mazzulla back because he is the one thing that has changed. And no matter whether it's fair or not, it's going to be real hard to listen to those insane Boston fans uh, all offseason because they're going to be pissed at Joe uh, and and then try to bring him back. So if there's some if there's a change that's going to happen, it's that. And then to the the other question. Yeah, you don't move on from Tatum. Uh, maybe you move on from Brown, but it depends on what you can get for him. when it was potential that you could get Kevin Durant. Sure. Why not? But I don't know who else is out there that they're going to be looking for. Who's going to be on the block? Carl Anthony Towns? I don't know. Yeah, no, let's not do that. I just got too upset. Uh, <laughs> no, let's not. Like <laughs> let's not. Let's uh, not do that. Of course, if you if you send them to Minnesota, Minnesota would send fourteen draft picks along with them just oh, just for fun. Yeah, they don't have um, any left. I forgot. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Minneapolis. No, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, you people forget like our that they lost their coach like a couple weeks before the season started. You know, like they've they In actually fashion too. Yeah, and very, yeah, very dramatic, traumatic fashion where things just, you know, like this team could have fallen apart. This thing could have gotten a lot worse for this squad. So, I, and these guys are young. Like, I would not consider blowing it up, uh, especially, I mean, they lost to the Warriors last year in the finals. Like, these were not chumps that they lost to. These, these are not upsets. These are, uh, I mean, I would, are, I would though. say. I, I You're mean, the I, only I, one, only person in the country who believed that the Warriors should have won that. Like, the Celtics were better. 
they're better than the the 76ers this year too and they are losing to teams that they are better than that's yeah i mean yeah i yeah they are they shouldn't have i think this series if they do end up losing the series it'll be because they lost a game one that they had no business losing or to a team that did not have joel and b like you should have been up 2-0 going to philadelphia like that is where the season turned for them if they end up losing and you know we've seen this team go down 3-2 before so i'm not counting them out but i wouldn't blow up this young core i would move around pieces that are around them to try to uh you know amplify their talent a little more like i'm not sure if they actually necessarily work I mean, that's what as Brock well as well possible all right we we got our check a long time ago we yeah but i'm not much, sure i'm not sure if marcus extra. smart is the guy that's necessarily should be playing with them for instance you know like maybe brogdon uh you should be handling that, the ball marcus or maybe smart hits a lot of big shots and is one of the only people who seems to have the level of intensity that you that we all say that we want to see but yeah he hits a lot of big shots that he probably should not even be taking because like if somebody else the ball should be in somebody else's yeah. hand why is Marcus Smart taking so many of these? But why were there two Marcus Smart last second possessions in, in game four? Like, why does that even happen? Yeah. So I think there, there's ways that you can move, like maybe an actual point guard who handles the ball and moves those pieces around would be better for them. And and you build around Tatum. And, and I, I just don't think you trade these young guys. And they, their, their playoff pedigrees is too good for them. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, maybe a point guard in Boston like Alex Caruso or Austin Reeves. They'd be loved there. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move Next on. some more gym rats in Boston. Let's uh, move on to the series that David Dennis has totally nailed. He's gotten this one right every step of the way. Warriors and Lakers, where his beloved Steph Curry is alone on an island and could use the swaddling and love and support of David Dennis. My question to you all. Do the Warriors have any moves left to get back in their series with the Lakers? Well, let's, I don't know where to start. I, I think I know where to start. Actually, I have 14 more points about the Celtics and 76. Can we just go back to that and talk about that instead? No, no, no. no. We are going to talk about <laughs> what's happening with your Warriors. And this is not what I expected. What I, the sentence I'm about to say, Darvin Ham is out coaching Steve Kerr. Every yeah. single yeah. game, he's out yeah. coaching him. Steve Kerr out here going to Gary Payton Jr. in the pick and roll. He who's throwing up mid game. He's giving Moody a lot more minutes than he got at any point in the playoffs or regular season. It just seems like he is looking to his bench. He's thumbing through his uh, his playbook, and he just like I don't know. I don't know, just something. Clay's out there shooting 35 footers with six seconds left on the clock and then missing it and then coming back and shooting another one with 20 seconds left on the clock. Steph's throwing the ball out of bounds because he's scared to get a technical for calling too many timeouts. This team looks lost. Last time they looked lost, they came back and beat uh, the, the Kings in the first round. But this ain't the damn Kings. This is the Kings. That was good. I should be a writer. Yeah. So I think the reason that it's hard to wrap my head around this is that the Warriors have always had an out for all of their playoff losses. You could talk about the Draymond suspension and all the things that went wrong for them in 2016 towards the end of that, that final series. Obviously, 2019, you could talk about, you know, Clay was out, KD was out, all the injuries and everything. This is the first series in the entirety of the Kerr era 
where this team is just sort of falling apart and is blowing games that they should not be losing. Like these games, they were up double digits. There was really no excuse to have lost game four the way that they lost it. And this, these losses are kind of piling up in a way that's like baffling to watch. Like it's, it's, you don't think of these things happening. The Lonnie Walker, uh, you know, fourth quarter, like that used to be Igadala. That used to be Sean Livingston. Yeah. Like that used to be the Warriors thing that was happening. And now it's, ha- now you have a team that is like a one man show. Right. That's, you know, you don't have the team that you had where Lonnie Walker in the right. fourth the numbers. quarter. Yeah. Like Lonnie Walker. Numbers. Yeah. In the fourth quarter outscored Clay and Poole for the entire game. <laughs> you know, like these are things that did not happen for this, this team and watching it happen is, is it, you know, it happens overnight, man. It just happens overnight. This sort of reminds me of that uh, the that Kobe Lakers team that lost to Dirk and they got swept. And you just they just kept blowing leads. And it was like, wait, when are they coming back? <laughs> when are they going for the three peat? And you know, it, it, these wanna, are ba- that was a baffling loss. I want to celebrate the Lakers, but I'm not done bashing the um, the Warriors just yet. But first, Alabaster, what you got? I just want to interject that we should not be surprised that Lonnie Walker outscored Jordan Poole because. Jordan Poole is not good at basketball. Yeah, you know, you know, that's my island right there. I have a lot of stock. I got I got in while the stock was high. I shorted the hell out of that Jordan Poole last year when it was like, hey, they better extend him. I was like, no, let me short this. And I'm rich on pool dollars. But uh, the it's funny that you bring that up because it does feel like the 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 Lakers look a lot like the Warriors used to look where there were a lot of guys who are capable of a lot of different things and you didn't ask a whole bunch from any one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole strength and numbers came from, where it was like, all right, you can give us a couple minutes here. You can give us some rebounding. You can give us some good defense. You can give us some scoring every now and then, but that's what it feels like the Lakers have where they're just cycling through. They like created, they like mushed together a bunch of guards and wings and created another superstar because that's the type of production that they're getting from all of these guys. And none of them are superstars. And the Warriors have some stars that aren't quite showing up the way that you need them to. And then I I think the Lakers have all of that stuff without counting Lonnie Walker. Then you throw Lonnie Walker on top. It's like, hey, this team, occasionally D'Angelo Russell going to give you a couple of good offensive games. Reeves going to give you some offensive production and some uh, good defense. Uh, Hachimura is shooting almost 50% from three throughout the course of the playoffs. It's just a bunch of bodies out there. And they're all doing this around LeBron who had a bad foot. It's just incredible yeah. that LeBron's greatest contribution is his general managing of this roster. Give that man some credit and his thinking. They just seem so like well-coordinated defensively. And I don't know who to give credit to other than Darvin Ham and LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about LeBron James scored with 27 so points. And his the best play of the night was telling Anthony Davis to switch on the play. This this is when you talk about Kurt, uh, Ham out coaching Kurt, which I didn't know until this morning, was that the hammer play that they were running was named after Darvin Ham. Like you were closing your game out with a play that is named after the coach of the opposing team. Of course, he's going to know what you're about to run for that final play. What are you doing, Steve Kerr? The 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 lack of, you know, I don't know why they went away from the pick and roll in that the second half in the second half. I don't know why they stopped attacking AD. Like there are these these decisions from the coach all the way down to clay shots, 
to pool doing whatever he's doing. The Warriors are just running out of guys. They're just running out of guys. Like, who is going to give the Warriors that 15-point fourth quarter out of nowhere? Like, where is it going to come from? Do you believe that Moody's going to do it? Do you believe that Kaminga's going to find a way to do it? And you just have Steph Curry eight years after LeBron averaged, what, 36 or whatever in the in the finals yeah. trying to carry a team. And now LeBron is just kind of there working within a system, and Steph Curry is trying to will this team to, to you know, whatever he can do. And we're, it's 3-1. And I still – I don't think it's over, man. I don't think it's over. I got a little yeah. bit of faith in the Warriors still. It came down to one play, and it's funny that it kind of parallels the previous series. So Mm -hmm. in the previous series, Harrison Barnes had an open shot that would have put the Kings up 3-1 in that series and effectively ended that series. He missed that shot. The Warriors went 2-2, and I said at the time, this is the play we're going to look to if they lose this series as the play that lost them the series. It happened, but this time around, They have one possession to decide, or actually they got two possessions to decide whether they were going to push it to overtime at least. Mm -hmm. And the Warriors down their leg. I don't know how to, how else to phrase it. I'm sorry if you got to beep it, but there's no other way to describe it as a, they poop down their leg or these big possessions at the end of the game. And the one thing that you expect in those moments from a veteran team like that is that they're going to at least get a shot up. Draymond threw the ball away and it was so bad that Dennis Schroeder was pointing in his face and, and laughing like it was just a terrible possession then they got another chance and Steph just threw it away so it's very different than what happened last series so I guess they got a chance because they're really good and they might get hot but it seems really unlikely that AD and LeBron not going to be able to get one of these next few games yeah, it's the thing. It's strange because like you you watch this series and you don't feel like the Lakers are just markedly better than the you know like they're just the Warriors just over outmatched. There, it seems like it's just execution, and this is going to be the series and the first series really if they do lose where you say they let this one get they let this one go, and you know that's something that you don't say about the the Kerr Warriors. And uh, but I do think you know I do think Game Five is. You know, you pencil that in as a win, and then you go back and you you say, "Hey, let's hope we get hot in Game Six and see what happens." I mean, I, I think um, that's what you at now. Which award is that? Yeah, you just got to hope. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey! Round one, I said play better, and the Warriors did what? They played better and they won. So I think, I mean, I wouldn't say I, like I, I think that they're they the Knicks are done. We're gonna get to the Knicks in a second. They're done, but I just think that this is a different type of three. You watch, series. you watch Succession. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm I'm working on uh uh extended metaphor where I guess it's not a metaphor as much as it's a, a comparison or analogy. LeBron is Logan. Or Logan when he was never mind, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but LeBron <laughs> is Logan in that he's not quite capable of what he once was, mm-hmm. but he just just uh like limping around still scaring the hell out of everybody manipulating everything that happens on the court without us noticing it and everyone else is just out there looking like Kendall and Shiv and Roman just struggling occasionally having a moment where you like talk the the uh, market into believing that you got something going and then go and fire everybody do something dumb again anyway we'll, we'll I thought you were going to call me Roman from the episode earlier this season where he was like he's not dead right 
He's still alive because that's kind of how I sound. But you know, perfect, perfect. I, the- knew, <laughs> I knew I didn't know where I was going with it, but I knew I could. If I put it I out there, back. you would make something out of it because you I got definitely back. feel like Roman. <laughs> before before we before we go before we move, I got I got to know. We mentioned Gary Payton throwing up in his mouth. I know you have a very disgusting throw up story from 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 your days. I, I wasn't a, a I, no, I, I wasn't a throw up guy. Like I had a teammates who I had one teammate who threw up before every game. He just got mm. so nervous he would throw up like Willie Beeman every game. Yeah, I guess I got other people's throw up stories, but I I wasn't much of a, a throw up guy. I did cough up blood one time in a game. That wasn't good. So I got um. We were playing the Broncos, and I was in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. they uh, Jay Cutler was scrambling, and Eddie Royal, I was covering him, but Jay Cutler was scrambling, so I ran away. Cutler came back. I come back. Eddie Royal blindsides me and mm-hmm. hits me in the chest and it lit me up pretty good. I thanked him afterwards because I was like, you could have hit me in the head. It was before they changed the rules, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, I appreciate that, Eddie. You're a good man. I went to the sideline and started coughing up blood. And they were like, you want to go in the back and get an x-ray? And I was like, it's a contract. Yeah. <laughs> went back out there and finished playing. All right. Give it to me, Alabaster. Just before we move on, I do think we should briefly mention, David, we're posting gym thirst traps to call Dubs and Seven. Oh, you posted a thirst trap? Let we, me see oh, that. Call, Let me calling, see. <laughs> calling a, oh, this is, wait, hold on. This is the first no, time. I want to mark this. No, no, I want to mark this. This is the first time. Creamy thighs. This is the first time that any picture of me has ever been called a thirst trap. I'm going to take this as a compliment. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, you is know, that, you got to get a is that a tank top with piping? What is that? Is that That's a, you got it. We got Yeah, there was a little. There was no Photoshop. No Photoshop involved there, people. That's all. That's all meat. That's all meat. That's all Boy. big meaty, meaty man slapping meat there. Doves and seven, baby. Get up on them thighs. Get up on them thigh meats. Not one cut. There wasn't a shadow to be seen on them arms. Just this is. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! It's a very bright. It's a very bright gym. It's a very bright gym. The Your lighting, arms. the oh, lighting, gosh. the lighting is very bright. There's not a lot of space for uh, shadowiness. There's there's some there's some there's some quiet polio string cheese. There's some cuttiness <laughs> there. There's some cuttiness there, young man. I'm sorry, that was mean. Uh, okay, my bad. All right, let's go. All right, last last one. Uh, do you give the Heat any chance of winning the East? My body's gonna make a three-one comeback. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> arms and arms and seven, baby. Arms and seven. Banging and clanging. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, what are we talking about? The Heat. Uh, yeah, they're going to win. How far can they go in the East? Uh, I thought that they were going to see Boston next round, and I thought mm-hmm. that there was a slim chance that they were going to get past Boston. I think seeing Embiid the way he's playing, there's a chance that they get they can get past Embiid. And frankly, the way Boston's been playing, there's a chance they could get back past Boston. Uh, I know one thing so far in the playoffs that has kind of felt true is that from week to week in opponent to opponent or game to game, opponent to opponent, it doesn't seem to necessarily carry over. Like, as good as someone can look or as bad as someone can look, they can look just as good or just as bad in the next round. So as good as the Heat look right now doesn't mean they'll look this good in the next round. But, yeah, I don't think that they're scared of either of the teams that they would face, at least not the way that they are playing right now. 
Yeah, they're looking at a Heat team that either took the Celtics to the last shot of Game 7 last year or they spanked the 76ers. I mean, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. if you're the Heat, you got to look at the, the 76ers team and say the deeper they get in the playoffs, the more chances are for Embiid to, you know, to get hurt or James Harden to get tired. And you have Jimmy Butler. I think they have ultimate faith in Jimmy Butler. Like, they always had it. But after what he did to Milwaukee, it's like we will walk with that man into any battlefield. And I think the Heat think they can win a championship. <laughs> like they, and when I watch them, I think they can win a championship too. Like I, I don't care if it's like Jimmy Butler and Bam and Kevin Love miraculously still getting minutes. Like the fact that like nobody's I, playing Kevin Love off the court. Like the Heat just keep winning and I they wanna- keep looking dominant. I want to doubt them because, like, the history of basketball, this is not something that is a reasonable thing to take place. So, like, I want to be the guy with common sense that doubts them. And the way that I would go about doing that is saying, you know what? The Knicks stink. But they beat the Bucs in the first round. And yeah. I know Giannis missed the game, but they still beat the Bucs in the first round. They beat the number one seed, the best player, the championship belt holder, best player in the world before this playoff started. They beat that team. And so it's hard to to knock anything that they've done so far. And it's not like they're struggling with the Knicks. They whooping the Knicks like you should do if you're much better than the Knicks. So, yeah, they can win the East. And the Heat have not played a bad playoff game yet. That's the thing. Like they like you could look at all of these teams that are left in the playoffs and they got at least one stinker on their resume. The Heat lost game two to Milwaukee because Milwaukee could not miss a three that game. And they just they blew them out. Other than that, they've looked better than everybody by miles pretty much the entire, you know, entire playoffs. Even game two, they didn't have Jimmy Butler and they took they gave the Knicks all they could handle. Like the Heat look like the best performing team in the playoffs so far right now. Of course, the competition is not the same, but they look as good as anybody else. But yeah, they're beating that bad competition like they're supposed to. So like if it's college football, they still getting a lot of number one votes because they are bashing people. But I'm having a hard time giving full credit to Spo. Like he deserves a lot of credit because Mm. what he's doing with a lot less. But I can't break down all the special tweaks that he's doing because the games are over and I'm not watching a bunch of trash basketball. I don't need no garbage (laughs) time. It's plenty of good basketball. They beat them. It's over by halftime. I'm like, all right, I'm good on that. Who knows what adjustments he's making, but he must be doing something because he got a bunch of undrafted guys making a deep run in the playoffs. And already seeming like they're in the conference championship facing off against a team that they can beat. I think this this run, I mean, as much as we can talk about Spo, but this run, no matter where they go beyond this, has done more for one person's career and legacy than I think any playoff run to a conference final could do. Like Jimmy Butler is yeah. unimpeachable going forward. Like there is no reason to ever doubt Jimmy Butler again. I think like even if the Heat next season are a seventh seed or a six seed or whatever, teams are going to be like, I want no parts of that going forward. You'll be jockeying for like to avoid them because Jimmy Butler has proven finally. I mean, he's always had this incredible playoff resume. Playoff Jimmy has always been a thing, but this is like a whole different level of like playoff Jimmy Butler. And nobody's ever going to doubt this again. He will be terrifying as a playoff competitor for as long as he is playing basketball. I I don't know who's like, legacy or like reputation has been hurt the most in this year's playoffs but I know who's been helped the most has been Jimmy Butler's because the last run was that bubble run that people wanted to knock 
the run last year, I, I guess, was still a strong one. It was uh, yep. three pointers short of knocking off the Celtics, who eventually lost in the championship. So I guess that should have helped too. But there's just something special about that knocking off the one seed, putting up 50 point games, and looking around and and not even to insult the players that are around them. But that's not the starting lineup that they wanted when they started the season. Like yeah, at least yeah. in the previous seasons, they, this was like some reasonable facsimile of what they like had hoped to put out there. This is like, nah, these are all guys that we hope would give us five to eight good minutes in the playoffs, maybe. And some guys we didn't expect to play at all that are playing extended minutes. Yeah, that like Kevin Love looked like a waste of money. Like it looked like, all right, we're throwing Kevin Love in here and see what happens. He looked dead a month ago. And this dude is making, like, throwing the ball 80, 80 feet down the court like a quarterback and, and re- out-rebounding the Knicks. Like, they're just pulling these guys out of nowhere. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i not counting them out. I'm not counting Jimmy Butler out in terms of whose legacy has been impacted the most. Uh, this series isn't it's gotta over. Be, it's got to right. be Jordan Poole. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Jordan Poole has, like, legacy conversations. But, anyway. This series is um, pretty much over, but it's not over. I guess uh, if we want to talk about the Knicks at all, we could celebrate them making a run that was deeper than anyone anticipated when they built a team around Jalen Brunson. But the offseason is where the Knicks are looking now. And the question for them is who can they get? What can they get? Is there any chance to build something a little bit better? And I will not pile on uh, Julius Randle. Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks won the first first round, and the entire city of New York. As soon as Giannis got hurt, game one of the first round of the playoffs, they were like pencil us into the to the conference finals, and that's it. But hey, you won the first round. You made all the New York celebrities and all the great rappers that have come out of New York. Lil Mama, Designer, oh, Mims, all the goats, the great rappers. all the goats who have come out of the city of New York. You've made them <laughs> extremely proud. Oh, gosh. Um, you remember when you Lil know. Mama ran on stage? Like, that's the only Lil Mama moment I remember is when she ran on stage when Jay-Z was trying to perform. When Jay-Z yeah. and Elise Keys and she ran out there. Iconic yeah. moment. Iconic oh, moment. Depressing. David, One of the greatest playing, moments in New York. Uh, were you playing This Is Why I'm Hot by Mims when you took that selfie today? Yeah, I was I was bumping I was bumping a little I was bumping a little New York uh, hip hop. I was feeling myself. Nice. I was feeling myself. To, I'm trying to be nice, and you keep bringing it up. I can't. I can't. I was feeling myself. The um, the the it's a it's a it, it, alabaster put the put the put the phone under the camera so you don't see the actual curvature <laughs> of the arm. You don't see the curvature. That's what's going on. You don't see the charcuterie of the arm. That's what you, that's what you're missing here. Oh, that's what you're missing. Meats. Oh, that's what man. you're missing. You've been you're missing big manly charcuter- meats. It's man. Saw- look at that big manly meats. We saw we saw the charcuterie, and it is polyostring. It's a it's a look at that look at that. It's def it's defined. It's <laughs> definition oh. right there. Oh, you got you gotta you gotta you gotta really you gotta really get the 4K. You need a 4K. You gotta <laughs> put it on your TV and really get the the full the full essence oh, here. Man, you the look full like, essence. You look like a gym teacher. At elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Thank you, you know, David. 
I appreciate you. This has been a great show. You it is I've, a great I've, analysis. I've hated every single second of this show. Thank you very much. Uh, we've uh, we've yeah. said the Warriors are going to lose. <laughs> we've said terrible things about my Warriors arms. Perhaps.